Hello. What's going on? Uh... Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I can say the wedding presents are just rolling in, Ugh. and uh, I got a KitchenAid mixer. The the peak of matrimony gifts. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to talk about next on this podcast, because Haley is making out like a bandit. I am. Get it? Bandit? Like, I like a thief? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody else did, but thank you. I made uh, cookies today. Uh, she didn't make me cookies, though. She just made them for her stupid husband. Sorry. The whole yeah. point, uh, the whole reason she's getting these these <laughs> gifts, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You'll be here soon, and then we'll make cookies. I I I like this plan. I think it would be better if the cookies were just there waiting for me when I arrived. All right, we can that, talk about this. That would save later us a lot. Then. That would save us a lot of stomach aches. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um. Well, today, getting into the episode. Um, the episode okay, of you, the podcast that we call Crime Culture. I'm yeah. I'm back on track, fam. Are you? No. I was right. I ever? They know. They clicked on the episode. They got they it. They know who we are. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know cuz you could you could put it you could like I've discovered podcasts with other things on shuffle. Yeah. So like What if this is somebody's first episode? Oh, I'm sorry. Way to jump in around 200, man. We don't You got a whole backlog. You got a whole backlog, but also like y'all like you just got like 30 seconds of just yeah it's true (laughs) yeah we've got better ones i promise (laughs) well today uh as i was doing you know my my research for episodes Mm -hmm. uh i found out that starting if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out september 14th then tomorrow september 15th is the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. Hey. Yeah. So uh, Hispanic Heritage Month runs from September 15th to October 15th every year. And online it says it recognizes and celebrates the contributions Hispanic Americans have made to American society and culture. And when I say Hispanic Americans, I am referring to peoples with roots tracing back to Spain, Mexico, Central America, and uh, the South American and Spanish-speaking nations of the Caribbean. Okay. So... Just to preface this, there's been a lot of personal research on what is the difference between Hispanic and Latino and when do you use either one? So this has been days of me trying to get it right in my own head and just doing my own uh, edification. This is entirely new information to me. I had no idea about this. I immediately sent it to Caitlin and I was like, I don't know what to say when and I don't want to offend people and be canceled. Well, I mean, Um, and I don't think it's just that. I think think it's like it's one of those things where because we talked about this, that like even journalists like will read like articles from legitimate sources and they'll use the terms interchangeably and obviously that's while talking about say like one person or one group of people yes. and that's not like it's something that we all should know and yet for whatever reason it's like there's not enough of a of an emphasis put on it that we should know like it's something we should be taught in school 
Yeah. We should be celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month in school. Like, come the fuck on, people. When is Hispanic Heritage Month through? September 15th through October? October 15th. 15th. Okay, that's what I couldn't remember if it was 14th or 15th. But even that. Also, that's bullshit. Why can't they just have September? Or October? Or both? Uh, Well, you already touched on something. (laughs) You already touched on something that... um, I, I just want to address up front. So I pulled different quotes from different articles. Some say Hispanic, some say Latino. I am aware that there's considerable overlap and um, there are differences, very important differences to the two terms. I'm not trying to offend anyone with whatever term I'm trying to use. Um, I did see as I was like Googling, obviously there's a million articles like what's the difference? Um, there's just one from Wikipedia that says... Uh, Refer Hispanic and Latino are terms to refer collectively to inhabitants of the United States of Spanish or Latin American origin, while the terms are sometimes used interchangeably. Uh, for example, by the U.S. Census, Hispanic includes people with mm-hmm. ancestry from Spain and Latin American Spanish speaking countries, while Latino includes people from Latin American countries were, who were formerly colonized by Spain or Portugal. So there is considerable overlap. So I'm going to be using some of the terms here and there depending on what article i pulled it from okay so yeah that's that and i'm gonna uh, Haley. i feel like Haley's always having to defend me here and i'm not saying that you're gonna need defending because rarely do you ever um but also like she put in so much effort to this i'm not saying hey be nice go give her a good review but i'm just saying like if if there's a mistake to be made here we'll find out i'm sure um people are very good about letting us know <laughs> but um it it's Haley put in a lot of of research to this so it's not for lack of trying or it's not because yes. she didn't she was too ignorant to research it it was more just like sometimes this shit slips through the cracks sometimes and you misspeak we- and you mean one thing and say the other i'm sorry i'm not trying to cut you off i'm just right. i'm i'm just viciously defending you now <laughs> We have great listeners from uh, Hispanic and Latin American um, countries, and I just want to do right by them. And that's those are the people I first thought about as soon as I I thought of this topic, because if you remember way back when we did an episode on black horror and how black people are represented in horror. So this is kind of uh, I thought was a good fit for uh, the Hispanic Latino community to see how they are represented in horror. Okay. Being cool. that it is Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah, that's actually so, great. I'm not saying that's actually a great Wow, that's actually a great idea for you. <laughs> yes. Um. And don't worry, uh, I'm sure we can do a collective um Asian American horror. Like we'll yeah. we'll get to like a bunch of cause oh my god, Fucking, some Asian oh. some Asian horror, Jap, Jap like Japanese horror. Oh my god, is some of the most intense shit I've ever seen. Uh fucking train like, to Busan. Oh Whoa! my god! Audition, audition is I. It still creeps me. One out could argue day. parasite. Yes, or there's. I mean, oh, go ahead. We're we're gonna get to it. I don't want to yeah. do. I don't want to trip over what we're already talking about. I mean, but about. there's so, so much. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm gonna get into this. Uh, I have th- basically the whole two thirds of this episode is talking about different horror movies from different Latin American and Hispanic countries and. Oh my God, there's so much to add to your watch list. I had so much fun looking up all these movies and uh, deciding what to like talk about. So to we're going to get into list. it. Yes, you'll to like some my of them. watch list. You will. Don't worry. All I'll right. talk about Is it. Is Coco on it? 
<laughs> no. They have ghosts. So, that's, that's horrific. True. They have they 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 have they have tons of ghosts. They're they're just filthy with ghosts. All right. Filthy with ghosts. Just, okay. just well, infested with ghosts. According to an article published by NPR, Latinos are big moviegoers, and they make up about 22% of audiences on any given weekend for any genre. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to horror, that proportion jumps to as much as half of the total box office. Oh, wow. So they are seeing horror movies out the ass. They ain't scared of shit. Yeah. So according to the 2020 Hollywood Diversity Report from UCLA College Social Sciences, Half of the 10 most popular films among Latino audiences in 2018 were horror titles, including The Nun, Slender Man, The Possession of Hannah Grace. Um, and in 2019, the list included The Curse of La Llorona. La Llorona. And, yes. I learned about and, that in uh, Spanish class. That one scared the, the weeping fuck woman. out of me. Yeah. I yeah. did not enjoy it. Yes. Did not love that. Um, also, Annabelle Comes Home and the Child's Play reboot were like big on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the LA Times blog, 54% of attendees in, to the 2010 horror film The Last Exorcism were Latinos. Okay. So more than half the box office there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, big horror fans. And filmmaker and self-proclaimed horror patron Edwin Pagan, he runs LatinHorror.com, he has a theory about why Latinos are drawn to the genre. He says, quote, traditionally, we have always loved a good ghost story and the macabre and gothic titles. They're just sewn into the fabric of who we are as people, end quote. Um, Argentinian filmmaker and writer of Netflix haunted Latin America, Ramiro Garcia uh, Bogliano, thinks that opportunity is also another factor. He says, quote, there are just very few horror films being made in our region. The lack of our own dark storytelling and the absence of representation of our own Latin American fears in fiction form makes for a very authentic reception of this kind of storytelling. My efforts and the ones of, from my colleagues uh, in this region is to fill that historical and cultural void, end quote. And um, even movie marketer uh, Etienne, I think is how you say her name, E-T-I-E-N-N-E. Etienne. Very pretty name. Yes. Because I knew a Etienne girl. Etienne Hernandez Medina. Uh, she says that Latino audiences can make or break horror movies in this country and the film execs know it. So they're kind of like pushing the marketing in um, like heavy Latino communities specifically. But um, unfortunately, much like we talked about in our black horror episode a while back, people of Hispanic and Latino descent are criminally underrepresented in mainstream Hollywood horror movies. Pagan says, quote, we show up in the same way. It's usually some kind of background character or a friend of one of the main characters who is ultimately the first to die, end quote. And that's like much of what we talked about in Black Horror too. that um, they're kind of used as like one of the first sacrificial characters. Sacrificial is a perfect way to put it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'd, I'd say that we could put obviously not a um, cultural minority. Well, I guess kind of, maybe not. I don't know. But um members of the lgbtq plus community oh definitely they're another yeah. one that it's it's like the token like sacrifice like you said where well and- I'll, I'll get to um a really good quote about that in a second but first um he is right unfortunately <laughs> there's nearly a quarter of speaking roles by hispanic or latino actors portrayed them um as criminals in movies <sighs> and stacy smith the director of the 
Annenberg Inclusion Initiative said in a statement, quote, at a time where Latinos in our country are facing intense concerns over their safety, we urgently need to see the Latino community authentically and accurately represented throughout entertainment, end quote. Yeah. Which is true. You can't just keep showing Hispanic, Latino, and black people as criminals, as drug addicts, as pimps, as uh, all these... Gangbangers. That's the yes, big one. Yes, that always- exactly fucking drug dealers that's, that's always bothered me yeah. but like it's just it's good to see that it's bothering people more and that change is being made like a lot of changes yeah. I, I learned about it in i took a film class and even way back when like they were being like people like the the film industry was like demonizing people of mexican descent and yeah. they were having them be like, okay, like you've got like in westerns, the oh uh, yeah, you want to know what uh, Mexican people are in, in like horror movies, drug lords all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always going to be drug mm-hmm. lords, and, and so- very similarly, that's a very similar. It's uh, the, I forget what the term was. It wasn't drug lord, but it was like the equivalent where like they were stealing your women and they were like bringing, they were taking all of the good out and bringing in all of the terrible things and like crime and shit like that. And then like white ass John fucking Wayne comes in and is just like yeah. not today. Yeah, the white savior role always. Yeah. And but uh, the, the white savior role is problematic. But then the white savior role when I don't know which is worse, the white savior who is doing the saving of these marginalized individual groups or saving people from from them them. yeah like both are just can we just stop and it's just can we just can we just cast people just like with a hand over our eyes like you just listen to their performance and like feel their performance rather than like have the first snap judgment of like on the call sheet be like this is a white person this is a black person this is a even like this is a male this is a female like yeah. Can't we have like a little more openness when we're casting something and just find the correct person for the role rather than like, okay, well, we need a drug lord. We got to look for somebody who's Mexican, who's Spanish, somebody like somebody more less than white. Right. I mean, yeah. and I will say that a lot of that, like, yes, we need to do that. But I think it's towing a very um, it's it's just it's towing a line in that because you also don't want to be putting on such blinders that you are then just not giving people any representation. And I'm not saying, Oh, like, yes, cast them all as that. But it's, it's like, um, there was a, there was an incentive or not an incentive, but a, um, like a, like a suggestion that I, I think it was either the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences of some, some group that they, no longer do best actor or best actress be- and that they just make it best actor and just like a singular category yeah or yeah. Or, or like best role player or something i don't remember what it was but something that was like it that was so that non-binary people could also be nominated yeah and one of the things that the that sag argued was and it was and this was suggested by a non-binary actor if i remember correctly Uh um but one of the issues that sag brought up was that the whole reason why best the best actress category was brought forth was because without it women were not getting recognized and i think that that's say and and they said by getting rid of it that same thing can be happening again whereas we're talking about how like not enough 
um, people of color are being nominated for best actor and best actress. But then we'll also have an issue of not only it'll just be white men everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And and quite honestly, we're talking to, we're talking about that Coco is filthy with ghosts. What are ghosts? But white. One might even say the- men. <laughs> you're, you're really reading into this. Well, uh, we're talking about representation. So um, Latino ac- actors occupied less than 5% of lead film roles in 2018 and 2019, according to the Hollywood Diversity Report. And that number was even smaller for Latino directors at just 2.7% for all of Hollywood films in 2019. Right, exactly. Like, like we need more. And it's not even a case of, like, it's it's ridiculous because it's like, You don't want to necessarily incentivize it and have people have that be like, like there are so many talented individuals out there and for them to just be chosen because of their heritage and not because they're so talented, like to not even like bother to look into just how talented they are and what they've done. Like, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so difficult because there's so many people who are just still like, not just ignorant, but so they're, they're, they're so money driven that they just yeah. want to do whatever they think will get them the most notoriety. And if that's, mm-hmm. oh my God, we they've got an all all Hispanic cast, an all white cast, not white, but an all Asian cast, something like that. It's it's just, it's so... That's always one of the headlines too. Yeah. Like and when Crazy Rich Asians came out, it's like, it's an all Asian cast. It's an like, all Asian rom-com. It's Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's called Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And it's just, it's really, it's just, it's so frustrating because it's just kind of like you need to take out like the in like just remove everybody and then like like from the industry in general and then just start fresh and there's no real way to do that and so it's just like people need to like infiltrate (laughs) like like people who do believe in proper and accurate representation and it's just it's it's like a big thing like I just even there's an issue right now with that Doogie um that Doogie Hauser remake. And is there a Doogie Hauser remake? I didn't it know. It is. It's on Disney Plus. Um and the girl that the actress that played Andy Mack that that you may, you definitely don't know that show. Um it was on Disney Channel. I remember Channel. Andy Mack. Yeah. No, Andy Mack is you remember? No, you're thinking of Allison Mack. Oh. Andy okay. Mack is That's like probably. new. Andy Mack right. came out a couple of years ago. I remember Andy Mack. I do too. It happened like yesterday. But and I was like, why is there a, a TV show named after that girl, the 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 Nexium girl? And, and why I was gonna say, <laughs> and, and why is the, the like thirty something Nexium girl playing a traditionally like teenage role? Um, well, let's not even get into the Ben Platt and <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen movie thing right no, now. No, let's not talk about that because then there's <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of criticism from people who have seen bits and i'm like "Uh uh-oh but no i i it's just so she's it's it's a different take based on the neil patrick harris series in which case it's not it's not verbatim like the whole reason that for example the main character is called doogie is because they're like oh my god she's a prodigy just like doogie hauser yeah but she it takes place in hawaii she is supposed to be native like like half hawaiian her mother is white her father is native hawaiian and she is an Asian actress. And they were like, mm-hmm. there are schools in which only native Hawaiians can attend. Um, the, the girl who played Moana. Um, yeah. I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. 
Um, but she was found at one of those schools for Moana. And so then people said, well, so you can't say that you don't know where to find them because yeah. they just went into like the school's theater department, if I remember correctly, and there she was. And she was brilliant and great. Yeah. And so it's just, it's things like that even, where it's just like, oh, but she's she's mixed and she's she's half and Asian. It's the same it's the same parent company too, so you can't even make that no. excuse. Well, it's the same parent company as Andy Mack too. So that's she, what I'm saying. Moana and and uh, this show are like and, and Doogie Howser, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All three. So the one that the, the show that this girl that's playing Doogie came from is yeah. a Disney show, and then Moana is a Disney show. So they know what they're doing. They know how to do it. Yeah, and that's they the case with cast. all of these. But that's the case <laughs> with all of these. They know how to cast. It's just, it's. I guess it's like on the audience. Like again, it's just it's such a tricky issue because you want it to be done for the right reasons, yeah. and nobody seems to do that anymore. No. <laughs> Well, uh, Charles Ramirez Berg, who studies how Latinos are represented in film, uh, he has a great observation about representation. He says, quote, everything in Hollywood must have a reason for appearing except the dominant group, end quote. So, for instance, in horror movies, all you really need is the monster and the victim, who is usually white. Mm -hmm. Uh, Berg continues, quote, there is no specific narrative function for a Latino's appearance. So they're usually not written into the script or cast, end quote which is totally true. I, uh, usually somebody of, I mean, if you're going to have a, like like we had said, a quote unquote sacrificial role, it's usually a character you don't give a care, like mm-hmm. you don't give a shit about in an ensemble cast. You don't give a care. So if we're talking about, <laughs> if we're talking about um, like, um, like, uh, like a wedding party, for instance, if you're going to have one of those horror movies that like everyone's picked off, mm-hmm. you don't give a shit about like one of the groomsmen or the uh, father of the groom or like those people are the people that's picked off first. And then it just ends up being like the, the bride and like, the groom. The, yeah. The and main like, a, a, like little yeah, cast. One of the maids of honor or groomsmen, best yeah. man, something like that. It's you start like, yeah. you start picking off periphery people before you get to the people you actually care about. And that is usually reserved for people of color on the outsides mm-hmm. and then you narrow it down to like the blonde haired blue eyed white people yeah and i yeah. mean and it's just like uh, i know we can we can go on about it forever, exactly but, um all is not lost uh, we'll get into some specifics in a bit and it's more than a few specifics because like i said i got really excited by looking up a lot of these movies I'm really um, excited. but there's big names like george romero who is uh-huh. the father of the modern zombie film and he's of cuban descent mm-hmm. there's also guillermo del toro of Love. mexican descent uh pagan says today there's more latinos delving into the genre than ever before both writing scripts and directing he says quote there's no doubt that when we're given the opportunity we can shine because these stories are there we just need to tell them so end quote would robert rodriguez count as that because he does like grindhouse films he also did spy kids which is just a brilliant movie but not horror um unless you count those thumb people but well there's like a couple of um like i don't have i have like a bunch of straight up horror movies but i also have some thrillers in here so i would count those as exactly yeah i would count those yeah Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because that's like he's I I think he's brilliant. I like his movies terrify the fuck out of me and very often I cannot finish them. But from what I've seen, yeah. He's he's just he's another one and he he's just really good. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. So I didn't want him to be left out. 
Definitely not. If you know of any that I don't know of, definitely uh, shout them out. Yes, but please. We're going to get into um, a couple um, from specific regions. Mm -hmm. So starting off with Spain, movies out of Spain. Uh, this is one that everyone will probably know. It's called The Devil's Backbone. came out in 2001. Um, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92%. Wow. Audience score 89, 85% on Google, and a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And the critics' consensus is, quote, creepily atmospheric and haunting. The Devil's Backbone is both a potent ghost story and an intelligent political allegory, end quote. And um, this is a Guillermo del Toro movie. Mm -hmm. uh, the description is, Quote, set during the last years of the Spanish Civil War, The Devil's Backbone is a Spanish gothic horror movie that follows Carlos, a young orphan boy who was deposited at Santa Lucia School, among several other children who have been displaced by the conflict. Though he finds friends in the professor and the headmistress, he is plagued by a wandering spirit with a link to the violent caretaker's secret past, end quote. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the movie that del toro wrote in college and it was in development for 16 years is strongly inspired by his own personal memories especially his relationship with his uncle uh who del toro said supposedly came back and visited him as a ghost oh shit yeah so this is a very personal That's film some for him. spooky shit uh it's also included on the 1001 movies you must see before you die edited mm -hmm. by steven schneider which there's going to be a couple of those that I'm going to talk about. Okay. And although filmmaker Guillermo del Toro is Mexican, this film is set in the Spanish countryside, largely filmed in Madrid. And that's why it's on the Spanish list. Um, the devil's backbone has all of the impactful elements of spirituality, horror, and the supernatural that come up again and again in del Toro's work. And this film is referred to as the brother film of del Toro's, best known works pan's labyrinth i was wondering we'll if you were going to yes. mention that oh thank so god th they they frequently call this the brother to pan labyrinth's sister so you can see like kind of um they kind of link together a little bit if you watch them together um the next movie is actually one of my favorites i have seen it a couple of times and it's called rec rec mm -hmm. uh came out in 2007 it has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, 82% audience score, 85% Google score, 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And the critics' consensus is, quote, plunging viewers into the nightmarish hellscape of an apartment complex under siege. Rec proves that found footage can still be as an effective delivery mechanism for sparse economic horror. Okay. Uh, description is late night TV host Angela and her cinematographer are following the fire service on a call to an apartment building, but the Spanish police seal off the building after an old woman is infected by a virus, which gives her inhuman strength. Um, this movie was filmed chronologically in real locations. There were no sets built for this movie and the actors were never given the script in its entirety and they did not know what was going to happen to their characters until the day of filming, which is terrifying for an actor. No. <laughs> yeah. That's you no. don't know if you're going to get killed off that day. Yeah. But like, also you don't know like how they're going to do it. So if somebody just like fucking jumps out. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, it gets, it gets a very, authentic and organic reaction but damn yeah and this movie was actually a big inspiration for the horror survival game outlast so if you play video games and you know of outlast uh lots of the elements come from this movie so you should go and watch it 
and it's considered the Blair Witch Project of zombie movies. And it had a lot of competition in the found footage style. It came out the same year as George Romero's Diary of the Dead and the first Paranormal Activity movie. But it more than holds its own among them, so much so that an American remake called Quarantine came out the next year. And director James Balaguero, I think is how you say his name, he keeps the movie disturbingly real and doesn't fall prey to just jump scare after jump scare, which can happen a lot. But this is more than that. I like this movie a lot. I, I'm um, not surprised, honestly. It yes. sounds like right up your alley. It is. <laughs> uh, the next one got uh, some press when it first came out. It's called Veronica. came out in 2017. I remember this. You remember this one? I remember Veronica. Yes. Well, it's got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 49% audience score, 80% on Google, and a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is a scarily effective horror outing. Veronica proves it doesn't take fancy or exotic ingredients to craft skin-crawling genre thrills. And the description is, during a solar eclipse, a teenage girl and her friends want to summon the spirit of the girl's father using a Ouija board. However, during the session, she loses consciousness, and it soon becomes clear that the evil demons have arrived. Dun-dun-dun. And it is based on the true story of 18-year-old Estefania Gutierrez Lazaro. And I won't go too far into it because we may do an episode about it in the future. So uh, if you want spoilers, you can go ahead and watch the movie. Um, But it was directed by Paco Plaza, who is the same director as Wreck. And the possession theme is done over and over again in horror. But this movie is a terrifyingly fresh take on it. There's so many possession movies out there and i'm usually not like a big like possession person um but i this one i think was uh talked about in the press as like the scariest movie on netflix when it first came out oh wow like people couldn't sit through it i believe it i mean i wouldn't be able to sit through it from just what you've described (laughs) yeah uh the next one uh i read about on a list as i was researching i haven't seen it yet but uh I believe it's on Netflix. Yes, I'm looking at my notes right now. It is on Netflix. Uh, It's called The Bar, and it came out in 2017. Hmm. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 55% audience score, 75% on Google, and a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And the description is, in a bustling downtown Madrid, a a loud gunshot and two mysterious deaths trap a motley assortment of Uh, common urbanites in a decrepit central bar while paranoia and suspicion force the terrified regulars to turn on each other. And this, like I included it here and it sounds right up my alley because I love a movie where like pandemonium is happening outside and a bunch of people are, I like a, I like a one location horror movie to be completely honest. Okay. And it's the most low budget, like bullshit movie when they're like stuck inside and you don't even see the monster, but like the first part of the mist where they're all stuck in the grocery store. Love that. I love, I love when you're stuck in one location and you really get to focus on like the characters and not just like stupid jump scares. So this sounds like right up my alley. And it's labeled as a horror comedy. So maybe you'd watch it. No, I didn't do well with Zombieland, which is also, I'd say, technically a horror comedy. I think it's more. Or Bill Murray's in it. Oh, Jesus. Steve Murray? Who is Steve Murray? I don't know. Somebody tell Uh, me. Who is Steve Murray? (laughs) Who am I thinking uh, of? 
I have a couple more uh, from Spain that I didn't want to get too far into because it started to get a growing list and I oh, literally I have like six more countries to go and we're already a half hour in this episode. <laughs> so I'm just going to like rattle through them. There's Who Can Kill a Child from 1976 and it tells the story of a happy couple, two English tourists who decide uh, to vacation on a secluded island in the Mediterranean uh, there they discover almost too late that the island has been taken over by a group of murderous children. It has very, like, Children of the Corn vibe. Mm. Uh, 2006's uh, The Baby's Room. And it was featured on the six films to keep you awake at night. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, it says, a new family renovates the home and moves into a grand old house. Nervous first-time mom installs a baby monitor, but hears mysterious sounds on the other side. Once they install a high-tech video baby monitor, what they see chills them to the bone. Hell no. That sounds fun. Again, again, home invasion ones freak uh-uh. me the fuck out. Mm-mm. No. I don't like it. I hate it. Well, and no. also like shit coming through like electronics that like you, you exactly know what I mean? like that type yeah, of yeah. shit like i i i have been having an issue relatively recently where when i there's one person who like when i have a phone call with them i've heard several times now laughter and i've been and i've been like why are you laughing don't laugh and then they'll they'll be like i didn't do anything but i will hear distinct laughter I hate it. And I'm just like, I... No, no, no. Not today. Well, you'll, you'll hate this this next I one. I hate called all Sleep. of these. <laughs> yes. Sleep Tight from 2011. Apartment concierge Cesar is a miserable person who believes that he was born without the ability to be happy. No. His self-appointed task is to make life hell for everyone around him, Ooh. a mission in which he has great success. And... Um, it has big home invasion slash stalker vibes. Uh, uh, no, no, no. And also it sounds like every single person that comes into my work that they don't think they have the ability to be happy and they want to make life hell for everybody. <laughs> I was I so. was going to say, in the first half, I was like, all right, Cesar and I have a lot in common. And then as it, yeah. as it got worse, I was like, okay, maybe not because I just, I just terrorize myself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then there, this one sounds really interesting. Um, Time Crimes from 2007. A man accidentally gets into a time machine and travels back in time nearly an hour. Finding himself uh, will be the first of a series of disasters for unforeseeable consequences. It sounds like uh, Happy Death Day, if anybody's seen that. It sounds like that sort of plot, um, but it preceded it by a decade. So obviously it was ahead of the time. Yeah. Well, Uh, wasn't Happy Death Day based on... Some other movie, if I Probably. remember correctly. It's like one of those, yeah, there's like a couple of those that you really, like Groundhog's Day, like you relive the same day over and over well, again. Yeah, like, Haley, yes, I'm familiar with Groundhog Day. That's not what I'm I meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Have this, you ever Happy heard of Death a movie called Groundhog not, Day? <laughs> Happy Death Day was not a, uh, a, a Hispanic latino movies so no I but i'm saying wasn't it based on my list uh, I, I and i'm not saying that you should have i'm saying i i thought i read somewhere and i could be totally off base about this that like it was basically like a u.s remake of another country's movie possibly but I, yeah i could be wrong about that there are a lot if of it was the movies. remake of this movie then i totally missed that in my research i but doubt again it. I these doubt are the it. ones i was going through quickly yeah um then there's thesis from 1996 Angela is doing her thesis on the effect of violence in the media when she discovers a snuff film. This discovery leads her down a dark path where she must confront her greatest fears and question everybody around her. 
sounds terrifying and also amazing. This one sounds incredible. It's called Witching and Bitching from 2013. And one article I read said it perfectly. And I'll just quote it directly. Quote, what Shaun of the Dead did for zombies and what uh, what we do in the shadows did for vampires. Witching and bitching essentially did for the cinematic depiction of witches, albeit on a less visible scale. End quote. Um, it's a great pick if you're looking for something a little bit more lighthearted. Mm. Uh, but there's definitely some like horror elements in it. Still scares me. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to movies out of Mexico and starting with none other than Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, uh, good. Because I was going to ask if you were going to talk about this. Of course. Uh, it came out in 2006, has 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 91% audience score, 90% on Google, and an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. It is universally loved. Everyone it's, loves this movie. Yeah. Well, and. Have you seen it? So I have seen bits and pieces. I haven't seen the full thing, not for lack of trying, but like around the time that it came out, like my family had gotten HBO and it was very heavily like thrown yeah. on HBO. Yep. But like when when you live with your parents, it's not as easy to like sneak because it's like rated R, right? I think so. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's no matter how old you are, like your parents are not going to be like, yes, put an R rated movie on in my house. So yeah. like I've only seen bits and pieces. However, I'm just a fan just because I, I, I well, Doug you know, Jones. Huh? Doug Jones. Doug Jones, right? Doug yeah, Jones. I didn't want to like spoil anything because I know you're going to talk about it, but like, yeah, Doug Jones. We well, love I didn't. Doug I, Jones. I'm I'm specifically trying not to mention like, Plot like points. go into like yeah. no, just going into like all of the actors for all of these films. True, true. Because like Doug Jones uh, th- is all of the actors. Yes, he can play there's a, anybody. There's a couple here and there that I'll I'll shout out if um like. For better known for our white audiences, if they'll know the names, yeah. I'm sure like every like I'm sure every single one of these films that I'm going to be talking about has like the Brad Pitt of like Uruguay in it, but mm-hmm. I don't know the names specifically enough to dig into like their entire filmography, especially to fit in this short of an episode that I want to keep it at. Right. So um, definitely, like if one of these movies sound interesting to you, go watch it. Um, all of them, I'm going to say, um, not all of them, a lot of them. I'm saying the American title, like mm-hmm. the in- the title in English. Yeah. There is a title in like Spanish. a different, yeah, Spanish and other languages. So yeah. um, I'm not getting into those titles because you can see how much I trip over people's names. <laughs> so uh, as much as I absolutely love doing all these episodes of like foreign crimes and like foreign movies and stuff i am the worst at actually pronouncing things i mean i still want to see all the movies yeah yeah well and i mean like and i think a lot of these from what you've mentioned many of them are on netflix too lots are on netflix lots are on hulu and uh there was a bunch on tubi which i believe is free tubi is 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 mostly free they do have some that are paid like new releases and shit like that but a lot of it is is free uh i believe every single one of these that i have found uh spare for like maybe one or two of the older ones can be found somewhere online whether it's amazon you can rent it on youtube like all of these things but lots are on hulu and netflix if you have them okay 
But anyway, getting into Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, the critics' consensus is, quote, Pan's Labyrinth is Alice in Wonderland for grown-ups, with the horrors of both reality and fantasy blended together into an extraordinary spellbinding fable, end quote. And so the description is, after the Allies invade Nazi-occupied Europe, a sadistic captain sends a troop of Spanish soldiers to flush out rebels, bringing his new wife and daughter along on his exploits. While his family resides in the countryside, he leads his men on a murderous rampage, much of which is witnessed by his stepdaughter. In an effort to escape her reality, she plunges into Pan's Labyrinth, a mystical world at the border of her own. End quote. Mm -hmm. So Guillermo del Toro is famous for compiling books full of notes and drawings mm -hmm. about his ideas before turning them into films. Mm -hmm. um, he regards this as essential to his process. I totally agree with that. I have... We were just talking before we started recording today, just psychotic notes written everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. You should see my notebook for the wedding. It literally looks like serial killer's handbook. I, I was going to um, say, I've got like, I've literally got like notes or like, for example, this, the, my notes for this episode, it's on the back of a Planned Parenthood donation. Thank you. Receipt. Perfect. Thing. You know what I mean? Like one of those things <laughs> yes. where like they send you in the mail and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. many uses. Well... He left years worth of notes for this film in the back of a cab. Oh, shit. And yeah, when he discovered that they were missing, he thought that it was just the end of the project, that he wasn't going <gasps> to be able to move forward with it anymore. Oh, my God. However, the cab driver found them and realized their importance and tracked him down to return them at great personal difficulty and expense, this article said. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Uh, Del Toro was convinced that this was the blessing uh, that he needed and to have him make the film and he became even more determined to complete it right um so del toro also repeatedly refused offers from hollywood producers i was producers. hoping you would talk about this yeah. hell yeah in spite in spite being offered double the budget um provided that he would make the the movie in english uh -huh. but he was like fuck no it's gonna be in spanish he didn't well, want to compromise on the storyline to suit the quote market needs mm -hmm. and he even did the english subtitles himself good i hoped you were going to talk about that too yes he did the, the subtitles himself because he wanted them to be absolutely correct well and because he oh god he had been burned before yeah that's what i was gonna say not even just yeah. burned before but just like because he he's because he's like talked about it like these these spanish-speaking films the people who do the translations and the subtitles and everything are often not Spanish speaking. So it, it does not, it's not. You basically just throw it the, through Google Translate. That's basically, yeah, that's kind of basically what they're doing. And so yeah. it's not accurate. It like, you're not getting, for example, like, or an anime is a really good example because you're not necessarily getting the exact story. Yeah. In English that, you would be get the same story that you would be getting in like the Japanese language yeah. version. Like that's why Brock from fucking Pokemon goes on and on about jelly donuts when it is not a jelly donut. It is yeah. a, it, I forget what it's called. It, um, my brain is telling me it's Musubi and I'm like, that's not it. You're wrong brain. But it's, it's not, people are yelling at me. I'm sorry. I, my brain is a sieve today, but it, it's just I, I just think it's so fascinating that he that he has and not just that he's so brilliant and so great, but that he has also done so much to like 
we talked about like making a space like to edge yeah. out this space for not just himself but for fellow spanish-speaking creators and yeah. to, to because like he could have made millions more had he gone i'm sure had he gone and done this with like an american production company but yeah. he it, it, he's really doing so much to prevent the anglicanization of other foreign films and foreign language films and foreign con and foreign like film concepts yeah by doing this and it's just it oh i i and it's, it doesn't make it any less successful because this film yeah. received 22 minutes of applause at the Cannes film festival in 2007 and it became one of the few fantasy films ever nominated for best foreign language film in um uh, at the oscars yeah and just like the devil's backbone it's on the list of a thousand and one movies to see before you die it was also on more than 130 top 10 lists in 2006 and is the fifth highest grossing foreign language film in the US. I I believe that wholeheartedly. I think it actually It's I don't, a beautiful film. It's so that's because that's it. It was just yeah. weird to say for a horror movie. Every once so, in a while there'll be a beautiful horror oh. movie, but like this one is like stunning. Like, the cinematography is gorgeous. So visually just like it's All like it, it, it's it's so it sounds so like cliche to say but it's like eye candy like it's it just is. it's something that you can't look away from because it's so even like doug jones i mean again but like the detail the in the character yeah. yes the, the design of the pale man character is wild yes. it's so good i mean um but there are <sighs> so many so many lists that i was looking at as i was researching movies that specifically said they're not going to include del toro movies just because he dominates the the lists like all of the lists so they want to like include a bunch of others so That's i do fair. have a bunch of others that are not just del toro movies yeah um this one from tw 2016 is called the similars um it's got a 95 percent on rotten tomato 49 percent audience score 75 percent on google and 5.9 percent uh sorry 5.9 out of 10 on imdb the critics consensus is a smart homage to uh, genre filmmaking the cinemas is a fun and frightening film that balances socio-political issues with aplomb. Hmm, uh, aplomb and the description yes right i love it i they, love it they always use like flowery language they're, in the critics consensus uh, because they're fucking critics and they know yeah, that I people know. are reading this shit and they're just like look at all the line. words i know <laughs> right <laughs> it's a five dollar word right there <laughs> uh, so the description is a monstrous once-in-a-lifetime thunderstorm strands passengers in a remote bus station outside Mexico City in 1968. As they listen to the radio, they realize the storm has spread all over the world. As they look at each other, they also realize that everyone's faces are slowly changing and not for the better. Which is like a wild, like it sounds like uh, like immediately it's like, yes, I'm going to like this movie. Exactly. They're stuck in one location. Perfect. <laughs> and then their faces start changing. And I'm like, okay, now we're getting into some paranormal shit. This is weird. Right. Um, but the film used makeup and effects, uh, effect techniques that were never done before in Mexico. Um, and director Isaac Esben has uh, was influenced by B-movies of the 50s and 60s, as well as TV shows and movies like The Twilight Zone, The Thing, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So that gives you like a little like snippet of what you can expect from this type of movie. A whole um, lot of hiding your face in your hands as you're in a fetal yes. position on the couch. This next one, I have 
literally at the top of my list. I want to see it so badly. It sounds so interesting. It's called We Are What We Are. It's from 2010. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, 48% audience score, 77% on Google, and a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is We Are What We Are is elevated horror that combines family drama and social politics with plenty of gore on top. Mm. And the description is, after a family patriarch dies, his survivors are tasked with continuing the rigid family rituals that involved hunting meat, preparing it for consumption, and eating it. Aww, the meat in question no. is human flesh. No, Haley! Since they are a family of cannibals. Uh, with two detectives hot on their tail, the family of cannibals strains to maintain their family traditions in a modern urban environment. Um, there was an English language remake in 2013 that has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes with Wyatt Russell and Odea Rush, who was in Lady Bird, Dumplin' and Goosebumps. Wyatt Russell is obviously Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. So, yeah, that's what he's famous for, for being he, two famous people. I was going to say, he's, he's, in, he's <laughs> been in things. He was in an episode of Black Mirror and he was, he was in, yep. he was in uh, Table 19. He's actually, I'm like burying the lead here. He's also um, in, you wouldn't know this, but uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the, the Marvel series on Disney+. Yeah. Plus. He yep. plays like, the, I'm trying to figure out how to describe you. His, his, his name is... Um, agent my brain wants to tell me my brain wants to tell me all of the wrong things today um it's not agent he orange but he looks like the brother of somebody i went to high school with so every time i see him i'm like oh wait no that's not <laughs> it <laughs> but his yeah. his real his real his character's real name is john walker because we needed another like classic Regular american name? yeah but that's yeah. what i mean like a, like a classic american name like steve rogers but um He's he's very good in that movie is really what I'm trying to get at. And he plays like yeah. the anti-Captain America. But like huh. he starts out as Captain America's replacement. Spoiler alert. It's in like the first episode, but still. That's right. Yeah. No one watches this movie. Haley, so you're like such a knows. fucking liar. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my next one is We Are the Flesh from 2016. This um like rocketing through them now speaking because I realize flesh. we're almost an hour in. Well, yeah, um, but also speaking of the flesh, you're pushing my buttons. I just want people to know that was a, that was a calculated attack. I am not yeah. like this. Yeah, I'm a little like this, but We Are the Flesh is a joint French-American production released in Spanish as Somos la Carne. Mm -hmm. uh, this post-apocalyptic nightmare involves a brother and sister who roam the land desperately seeking food until a kindly old man takes them under the condition that they help him renovate an abandoned building. Uh, they also are forced to have sex with each other uh, oh, while he watches. No, yeah. no, 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 none of that. Yeah, Stop so that now. after he breaks their will by getting them to do that, he makes them do a bunch of other stuff. And the film is only one of four in Mexico to receive a D rating, which is reserved for subject matter that they consider extremely disturbing and or pornographic. Mm -hmm. So that's Great. if you like one of those fucked up movies. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's The Witch's Mirror from 1962, where an abusive and cheating husband kills his wife so that he can be with his mistress. The woman's godmother was a witch who originally tried casting a spell on a mirror to protect her from domestic violence, Aww. but the spell failed. Aww. Still, she is able to bring the woman back from the grave, and the two witches set out to destroy the evil woman beater. Damn. So it sounds like a feminist fist in the air. <laughs> I'm here uh, for it. And then there's Here Comes the Devil from 2012. A married couple loses their children while on a family trip 
near some caves in Tijuana. The kids eventually reappear without explanation, but it becomes clear that they are not who they used to be and that something terrifying has changed them. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about movies out of Chile. Okay. Um, Downhill from 2016. It's got a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, 22% audience score, 43% on Google, 3.5 out of 10 on IMDb. The description is, Deeply upset by the passing of his best friend, a professional BMX rider uh, accepts to partake in a race in Chile. Everything goes as planned until he stumbles upon a man who is infected by a mysterious virus and becomes a target of local assassins. Damn. And this movie was quick turnaround, filmed in 13 days. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. They must not have slept. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's Postmortem from 2010. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 61% audience score, 70% on Google, and a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And in Chile, 1973, during the last days of Salvador Allende's presidency, an employee at a morgue's recording office falls for a burlesque dancer who mysteriously disappears. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Good. Uh, and then there is Aftershock from 2012, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, 24% audience score, 61% on Google, and a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is Aftershock hints at an inventive twist in horror tropes, but ultimately settles for another round of mind-numbing depravity that may alternately bore and revolt all but the most ardent gore enthusiasts. Uh, I will say, sometimes the critics are a little harsh, so when we're talking about like critics' consensuses or critics' scores, they can be wrong. They can be wrong. Can There's be a wrong. bunch of like hugely famous movies that are not certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is Jennifer's uh, a Body. I, yeah, we talked about it. Jennifer's Body again. Go watch Jennifer's Body after you watch these also, movies. But like, add that to your list. Also, movies are art, and art is so subjective True. that you can make your own. Uh, your own decisions. Yeah. Um, this one, I'm just going to say, for example, my favorite movie of all time is a little indie film with Anton Yelkin and um, Felicity Jones. 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 Yeah, it's called Like Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, well, this is a bad example because it has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. But it should have 100%. I mean, it's a C and you should have gotten an A. That's true. As my parents used to say. <laughs> yeah. So everyone has their own opinions. But uh, the description of this movie is in Chile, a group of travelers who are an underground nightclub when a massive earthquake hits quickly learn that reaching the surface is just the beginning of their nightmare. Oh, my God. And this sounds very claustrophobic. Yes. So I don't know yes. if I'd love it. Like, I love a movie that's happening in, in one like location, one space, but they can but get out of the location. Like, yeah. Not like that uh, Ryan Reynolds movie where he's like, oh, my God. Like yes. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that um, movie. <laughs> but horror icon Eli Roth wrote and stars in this <gasps> Oh, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next quick one I have is called To Kill a Man from 2014. An attack on his daughter leads a mild-mannered family man to take revenge on the vicious street thugs who have tormented him and his family for a long time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I've Your heard classic hit the end of your rope. Yeah horror movie yeah i'm about to get there with my neighbors uh <laughs> hell yeah uh movies out of columbia 
Uh, we have Out of the Dark from 2014. This movie's actually in English. Um, it's got a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, 22% audience score, 77% on Google, and a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And there's no critics and sentences, but the description is when a family moves to Columbia to take over the operation of a manufacturing plant, they soon learn that their new home is haunted. No. No. Yeah. No. This stars Mm-mm. Julia Stiles, who is in oh, 10 Things I Hate About You I and Dexter, to name a few. And Hustlers. Yes. And Scott Speedman, who was in The Strangers, which we have talked about, yes. and uh, that Netflix show You. Wait, she, she was in You? Oh, no. Scott, Scott Speedster. Speedman. Who was Scott Speedster in You? Speedman. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm broken today. Like, mentally, I'm not I don't, here. I don't have what character he played, but I did Shit, see that he was in it. I was, was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, who was he in You? Somebody let us know, I because know. I don't have access to IMDb right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next movie is called The Squad from 2011. Hell it yeah. Has fi- it has no Rotten Tomato score, but 53% audience score, 82% on Google, and a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And after a secret military base ceases all communications, an anti-guerrilla commando unit is sent to the mountain, uh, sent to the mountainous location to discover what exactly happened. Uh-uh. The squad expects to discover... Uh, that the base was attacked and taken over by other guerrilla units, but instead finds only a lone woman wrapped in chains. No! Yeah, isn't that a great description? There are other descriptions, but I was like... That's no, that the one. Really, no, that's the one. That really gets one. you into it. But like, Jesus Christ! Well, this, is, this is one of those like scary on-set things, but in one scene where the actors are shooting guns, one actor accidentally picked no, no, up no, a real no, no, gun no, no, no. and fired off a real shot, Fuck. and no one was hurt. Okay. But that's the shit that happened to Brandon Lee. Yeah, that's oh fuck. Yeah, Uh, this one is another one of those um, fucked up ones. Actually, I'm gonna get to this one at the end. (laughs) Well, anyone that has like a lot of like sexual undertones, I'm not really into. All right, yeah, that's Um, I'm I'm with you. That's fair. Yeah, I'll get to that one at the end. Don't shit where you eat. This one's called The Hidden Face from 2011. It has 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 72% audience score, 86% on Google, and a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is about uh, shattered by the unexpected news of their irreversible breakup. An aspiring Mm. orchestra conductor is puzzled by his girlfriend's mysterious and seemingly inexplicable case of disappearance. But can he look beyond the facts? Oh, damn. Um, There's actually a Turkish version of this movie and a 2013 remake out of India called Murder 3. So a popular storyline that was taken by uh, different remakes. Um, That means it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the end of The Spectra from 2006 has an 83% on Google and a 6 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is about a young woman who has become an agoraphobic due to a traumatic incident is holed up in her apartment. She begins to suffer from hallucinations, paranoia, and an obsessive neighbor. Ooh. And there is a Mexican remake called Devil Inside. And there were once rumors of an American remake starring oh. Nicole Kidman. Oh. But that's the end of that. Yeah. But the devil inside I've happened. heard of. Yes. Uh, and then, okay. So this is the, <laughs> the iffy one. <laughs> it's called Cord. C-O-R-D. Please, please tell me this is not about what I think it is. 
please no. oh okay okay so on a post-apocalyptic world of never-ending winter a sparse cast cast of outsiders live underground due to their unsanitary condition sexual contact has become dangerous masturbation has become the paradigm of sexual experience and an array of low-tech devices with this purpose has come to existence in this bleak reality a dealer of such machines and a sex addict make a deal she will allow him to experiment new devices on her body in exchange for pleasure soon however their relationship goes out of control i hated every second of that synopsis i just there's want you definitely to know. there's definitely people out there who are into like some of the real like yeah sexually fucked up yeah. horror movies no. and this is, sounds like definitely one of yeah, them yeah no this sounds and like if they tried to make saw sexy and yeah i don't i i don't i don't want respectfully i do not want this like no it no even reading the descriptions of it i was like it's mm -mm. giving me like this the skin prickles yes of, like when i read the description of yeah. uh, a serbian film and i'm like uh i'm gonna bow out of this one i don't have anything to prove to anybody i don't need to watch this movie no 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 no. but i did think when but you if said you want to watch it that it was gonna be like some umbilical yeah cord? i thought it was gonna be yeah. some like demon umbilical like zombie baby shit and i was like i like mm -mm. i don't know if any of that comes up in the movie because i refuse to look into it anymore yeah i don't want to know so if you but if I you've seen to it talk you about know it in case you wanted to see it yeah if you've seen it and you know please don't tell us <laughs> yeah. something tells me ignorance is bliss on this one exactly um now i'm going to talk about films out of your is it uruguay or uruguay i've heard uruguay i haven't i i haven't really heard uruguay uh, it's probably because i'm from jersey that could be it <laughs> but it could also say be anything right well i was gonna say it's from connecticut and they like white everything so it could That's be true. it could be that they were just like this sounds whiter so we're gonna go with this okay so i think it's uruguay okay um so i got two movies uh manos from 2019 mm -hmm. it has 92 percent on rotten tomatoes 85 percent audience score 69 percent google score and a 6.9 out of 10 on imdb and the critics consensus is as visually splendid as it is thought-provoking, Manos takes an unsettling look at human nature whose grim insights leave lingering impact. Ew. And the description is, on a faraway mountaintop, eight teenage gorillas, as in G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A-S, not mm -hmm. like not like monkeys. Not like Tarzan. <laughs> yes. Um, eight teenage gorillas with guns watch over a hostage and a conscript... Con conscripted milk cow mm -hmm. uh playing games and initiating cult-like rituals the children run amok in the jungle and disaster strikes when the hostage tries to escape no. in this movie is moises arias you're kidding from hannah montana yes, rico from hannah montana he's been yeah. in other shit too but like does it really matter <laughs> and julianne nicholson who is in i tanya and august yeah. osage county yeah i know her um most of the other actors had never acted before. That's awesome. Which is fun. Oh, I love when that happens. And they're obviously, and they're like always the best parts of the cast. Yes. Too. <laughs> it's yes. like crazy. Uh, so as you can tell by the description, this movie draws inspiration from the Lord of the Flies. So yes. if you like that book, you probably will like this movie. Sucks it is also mark. included in the 1001 movies to see before you die. And it was selected as the official uh, entry for the best international feature film at the 92 at the 92nd academy awards oh okay um the next one i got is the silent house also titled la casa muda 
It's from 2010. Um, it has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, 37% audience score, 63% on Google, and a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. And the critics' consensus is shot in a single take. The Silent House may be a gimmick movie, but it's one that has enough to sustain dread and tension throughout. And the description is a girl becomes trapped inside a house and becomes unable to contact the outside world as supernatural forces haunt it. And the plot is supposedly based on a true story that occurred in the 1940s in a small village in Uruguay. And it had a budget of just $6,000. It was filmed using a handheld high definition DSLR, which is a digital digital single lens reflex camera, the Canon EOS 5D Mark II for those camera people out there. I'm one of those camera uh, people. Hi. Basically, it is like the semi-professional mm -hmm. camera that you would use in like photography class in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's it is a very accessible. It is a very affordable camera. Yeah. Uh, so it was shot with that camera, two handheld lamps and a couple of light bulbs over four days. Amazing. Amazing. For $6,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so the claim is that the movie was filmed in one continu continuous shot, but it's kind of suspect because the Mark II camera can only record up to 15 minutes of continuous video at a time. Mm. Uh, so I think it was edited to look like a single shot. I mean, or they could have, it would have been a lot of work and a lot of pain in the ass. They could have just like timed things out in such a way that like yeah you've got something going and then you stop in a spot that's comfortable where nobody moves and then you swap out like for six thousand dollars maybe they did that yeah that's but that's <laughs> something i'm i'm going back to like all right well what would we have done in college yeah. <laughs> it is also uruguay's official submission for the best foreign language film at the 84th academy awards oh wow and if anyone is screaming out there right now, mm -hmm. yes, there was an American remake. I will talk about that shortly. There is? Um, yes. Oh. There's a pretty famous American remake. Uh, mm. Recent. Mm. Uh, from Peru, there is The Entity from 2015. It's got a 66% on Google and a 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is about a group of students that decide to stay, uh, decide to study reaction videos and are led toward an old film uh, hidden in the archive room of a cemetery. Mm -mm. It appears that everybody who has witnessed the film has met an untimely demise under suspicious circumstances. When the students view the footage, they discover firsthand what the demonic spirits are capable of, fulfilling the ancient curse of a woman cruelly killed during the Spanish Inquisition. And the this movie was billed as Peru's first 3D horror film and was said to be loosely based on true stories. Oh, no. I didn't look too deeply into the true story. Yeah. Um, but review websites, Flickering Myth and Nerdly commented that the movie suffered from being too overly familiar with pre-existing works like The Blair Witch Project and The Ring. <laughs> you can tell by the description how heavily it takes yeah. from the uh, you'll die in seven days yeah. trope. Uh, the next one is The Vanished Elephant from 2014. It's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, 72% audience score, 88% on Google, and a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is about crime novelist Ido remains obsessed with what happened to his fiancée Celia after she disappeared during an earthquake. When an en enigmatic woman brings him photos that may help him solve the mystery, he senses he's being drawn into a dangerous game. Yeah, and you're probably right, my dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip a bunch because we are very low on time. Uh, out of Argentina, there is 
uh, Terrified from 2018. It's got a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, 65% audience score, 82% Google score, and a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And it's about paranormal researchers investigating strange events in a neighborhood in Buenos Aires. Um, we've got Luciferina from 2018. It has 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 25% audience score, 69% Google score, and a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is about uh, Natalia, who is a 19-year-old novice who reluctantly returns home to say goodbye to her dying father. However, she meets up with her sister and friends, and she decides to travel into the jungle in search of a mystical plant. Oh, Yes. Huh. Um, let me get into in Venezuela there was The House at the End of Time from 2013. Uh it's got 72% uh audience score, no Rotten Tomato score, 91% on Google and a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And the description is Dulce encounters apparitions in her house and unleashes a terrible prophecy. 30 years later, she returns as an old woman to unravel the mystery that has terrorized her for years. And it is the winner of the audience award at the Galve Horror Film Festival uh, in 2016 that's in Sweden. And not only is it Venezuela's highest grossing horror film, it's also the most distributed film in the entire country. Oh, wow. Yeah. By August 2016, it was announced that the American studio New Line Cinema acquired the rights to the film to make a remake for the American public. And the original filmmaker is still at the wheel, so the chances of success are pretty good for this movie, the American remake at least. Um, out of Ecuador, there is Chronicus from 2004. It has 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. 77% audience score, 80% Google score, and a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And the critics' consensus is an unsettling and absorbing cautionary tale with John Leguizamo playing an unscrupulous TV reporter who uses the medium to further his own goals. Love that. And yeah, like I said, John Leguizamo, he plays reporter uh, Manello Bonillo, mm-hmm. and he goes to jail in Ecuador to interview... Um, Vincino Cepeda, who is played by Damien Alcazar, who was in Narcos and uh, okay. Chronicles of Narnia. And his character is a hit-and-run driver whose crime incited a riot. After Cepeda tells him uh, he knows where a murderer called the monster of Babahoyo mm-hmm. uh, buried a young female victim, Bonillo posts bail in the hopes that he'll learn more about the crime. Vanilla finds the girl's body, but as he nears the scoop of his career, it looks as if Cepeda might be withholding some key details. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, they tend uh, to do that. Yeah. In my notes, I wrote, inspired by a true story, question mark? Oh. So this is another one of those that, like, they vaguely said it might be based on true events. Mm. Um, But as well as being both a can and TIFF favorite... Uh, Chronicus is the official submission of Ecuador for the best foreign language film category at the 77th Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. It was produced by Guillermo del Toro oh, and Alfonso yeah. Cuaron, who did yeah. Children of Men, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, amongst others. Great. Uh, this is John Leguizamo's first 
film in Spanish. And he said he felt awkward speaking in Spanish while acting like he didn't know the language. Oh, my <laughs> god! Because gosh. he's not used to acting in Spanish. Right. Oh, Isn't that weird? Wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it's not just like weird, but I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised that it's his first film that he's done that's in Spanish. That was in 2004. Yeah. yeah. But still, like he had such a long storied career or he's, he yeah. has had. He's not dead. But like yeah. neither is his career. But like. No, didn't he just do that stage show? I heard like a lot of. A uh, couple years ago. About it. Um, uh, Latin history for morons. Yes. Yes. And yes. I think it was on Netflix. It might still be. It was really good. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple of English language Hispanic slash Latino horror movies or uh, stuff to look into if you're not ready to read subtitles. Um, there is The Silent House, which is from 2011. It's the remake of that one I just talked about. Um, the description is, Sarah is working with her father and uncle to renovate an old family home to prepare for its sale. Long vacant, the house has no utilities, forcing the trio to rely on battery-operated lanterns to light their way. Sarah becomes sec separated from her relatives and soon finds that she is trapped inside the cabin with no contact to the outside world. Panic, panic turns to real terror as the young woman experiences events that become increasingly ominous. And uh, it stars Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, who, love at her! This point, Yes, needs no introduction. Yeah. <laughs> um, the plot is based, allegedly based on um, that true story uh, out of Uruguay in mm -hmm. the 1940s. Contrary to the marketing's claims, the film was uh, not shot in one interrupted take. It was actually shot to mimic one continuous real-time take uh, with no cuts from start to finish. Um uh, as a result, the time span of the film's plot is exactly 86 minutes. Wow. So, like, that's that's what the that's how long the plot is. Yeah. Of, like the action of the movie. Um, it was shot in roughly 10 minute segments and carefully edited to hide cuts. Okay. Yeah. I still like all those movies that try to do that. It's really yeah, interesting. No, it's still it's still captivating. Yeah. Uh, like we talked about up top, you can watch Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Hell and yeah. This, along with the rest of the Dead series, are the work of George A. Romero, whose father is of Cuban descent. Mm -hmm. um, you could also watch The Others from 2001. Mm -hmm. It was directed by globally renowned Spanish director Alejandro Amen Amenbar. There's the little dash over the A, so I'd never know how to say anything like that. Where? Um, a M E N. Special A B A R. Special A. <laughs> um, Amen, A M A N. Amanabar. Amanabar. Yes, I believe you. Okay. Uh, the others stars Nicole Kidman. Uh, it is a Spanish gothic horror movie that combines elements mm -hmm. of the supernatural, psychological, and mystical. It focuses on the strange events that occurred in the estate of a woman and her young children, plagued by spirits yes. in the aftermath of World War II. It has the distinction of being the only English language Spanish movie to be given the best film award oh. at the Spain's National Film Awards, the Goyas. Huh. Uh, in total, the movie has seven Goya awards, including uh, that for best director. Although it may not read as particularly Spanish, it was produced, written, and filmed all in Spain. Wow. Um, shooting in Cantabria, northern Spain, and Madrid. Oh, wow. And the last one I'm going to talk about is very Americanized, but um, it's Ash vs. Evil Dead. All right, I was really and worried I, you were going to say Coco. 
No. <laughs> I, like, I oh. love the Evil Dead movies, and although the series wasn't perfect, and I'm sure diehard fans uh, will say it's far from it, I love Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, and I think it really kept the heart of the main story. And obviously, Bruce Campbell is perfect, mm-hmm. and the addition of Lucy Lawless is amazing. But really, it's Puerto Rican actor Ray Santiago that steals the show. He makes the show. It is, he's hilarious. He's a fantastic actor. There's a lot of action with his specific character. If you've seen the series, you'll know. But phenomenal actor. So good. Uh, if you need more, like, uh, Hispanic, Latin American actor representation, he should be cast in a lot more. Um, right before we go, I'm going to talk a little bit about further reading. I talked about a quote by Charles Ramirez Berg up top, and he's actually written um, a bunch on the topic of Latinos in film. And um, you can read Latino images in film, stereotypes, subversion, and resistance. He also has uh, Cinema of Solitude, a critical study of Mexican film, 1967 through 1983. And the last one is the classical Mexican cinema, the poetics of the exceptional golden age films. These are all by Charles Ramirez Berg. Okay. Cool. So go ahead and do your own. Yeah. Do your own research. Do your own research, but also like enjoy your own shit. Like this is this is all very enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like enjoy yes. this shit. Go out there and enjoy I definitely, yourself. I definitely gave you more than enough to watch during this month. True. Um, so go ahead and watch a bunch of those. I literally have so many that I couldn't get to because we're already way over time. Yeah, I'm sorry but, about that. Um, it's all right. I got so excited to talk about all this. So watch a bunch of that. Let me know what you think. If you watch any before me, definitely let me know what I should add to the top of my list. But yeah, there were a couple that I was like way excited for that I'm probably going to watch one after I get off with you. Oh, okay. Well, then in that case, I don't want to keep you. All right. So, well, you go to our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com you can find all of the links to our social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter as well as patreon we are you can join our patreon for as little as a dollar as much as whatever you want and uh at different levels you get different perks such as a poll where you get to vote on an episode that comes out in that month Mm -hmm. uh also a little live chat with us Mm -hmm. monthly which has been super duper fun it's been so great it's been a highlight of my month also i believe the patreon reward says it's a 30 minute chat these are like two hours yeah i was gonna say we threw 30 minutes i think i think what it is is like it's until one of us has to go pee i'm pretty sure it's really (laughs) that's that's really what it is but not even just that i think that we we also established 30 minutes before like covid took a hit and then suddenly we were just like well, what's another couple? I have all the time in the world. I was going to say, what's another couple hours amongst friends? Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's truly, it's a delight. But yes, we do lie on the Patreon. It's not 30 minutes. <laughs> it it was, minutes. it started out as 30 minutes. And then it just kind of devolved. And I think part of it. We just have too, yeah, we have too much fun. Yeah. And also, if you ever wanted more cat content from us, oh the amount of cat content that can happen during these uh, these live chats. So Autumn also might have gotten a puss pick in response to one of her messages the other day. Whoa. Um, not, not, I mean, from me, yes, perso- but not I know, like. But you can get personalized puss Triple picks. P. Yeah. personalized p- puss pics and maybe if you're a patron you could get personalized patron puss pics who knows not i 
They've definitely beep, 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 they've beep. definitely picked. We've done some. I'm I'm just I'm devolving into nonsense, but they've definitely we've definitely done some um, Patreon patron post pick poll picks by yeah. pusses as a tie breaker. <laughs> this is getting way too, <laughs> too far. Too many peas. Um, so with that, uh, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. Uh, watch some uh, movies by Hispanic, Latino people, actors, directors, writers. Uh, and if you know of any that I didn't talk about, please let me know because they seem to have the best horror movies. I agree. Yeah. And with that, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.